Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy, providing a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. And today, Robinhood is giving my listeners a free stock, like Apple, Ford, or Sprint, to help build your portfolio. Sign up now at scarystories.robinhood.com to let them know that Otis Jiry sent you. Again, that's scarystories.robinhood.com. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little bit more about Robin Hood. Until then, snuggle up with a nice warm blanket and get cozy. It might just come in handy when your blood runs cold. <laughs> Stay tuned, the show is about to begin. <laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Jiry. And I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights. 
if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 24. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. Tonight's episode marks the conclusion of our second season, and I want to take an extra moment to thank you, my devoted listeners, for sitting around the digital campfire with this old storyteller the past six months as we've explored the fearsome and ferocious together. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for y'all, and I appreciate y'all so much. Please join me again next week, when we jump right into Season 3, where even more insomnia-inducing tales await us. For those of you interested in supporting me with the purchase of a Season 3 pass, which gets you access to 24 extended episodes from the upcoming season, visit ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com today and click Become a Patron on the navigation menu, and then scroll down to the Season Pass offerings. You'll find me and Season 3, and you can sign up anytime before or after next week's episode formally drops. Thank you again for your support. Now, in tonight's episode, the final of Season 2, I'll be performing four stories for you about insidious inventions, eerie elders, creepy closets, and predators with a purpose. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which includes the first two stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscurrypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors. Turn the lights down, Lowen. Settle in. The show is about to begin. Our first tale of terror this evening, from author Alice Thompson, is entitled My Grandfather's Final Invention. My grandfather was an inventor. All his life he'd be tinkering with something, either taking something that existed and changing it, making it into something brand new, or at the very least different, or inventing something entirely from spare parts. And while nothing he invented was ever earth-shaking, it was always one of my greatest delights, ever since I was a little girl, to see what he'd made. Childhood visits to his home would always begin or end with me sitting on the couch, a look of absolute fascination on my tiny face, as he showed off whatever gadget he'd put together in his workshop this time around. It was like having my own personal Santa, who worked all year round to fill my eight-year-old mind with wonder and glee. My older sister was likewise excited, no matter how much she tried to hide the excitement it filled with her, probably in an effort to appear cooler and more mature than myself. And while, because of real life getting in the way, the visits became fewer and fewer the older we got, we would always make time to see him at least a few times a year, and every time he would have something new to show us. He really was a genius. I should add, 
that isn't meant to imply something horrible happened to him. I'm sure some days he wishes it had, that it had been him who had wound up in the hospital, instead of my sister, but no, he went in his sleep, and I hope that his passing was a peaceful one. Even all these years later, I can't bring myself to be angry about what happened. Can't bring myself to hate him. He had no idea what would happen, no clue how things would pan out. He knew something was wrong, oh yeah. He wasn't some doddering old fool. He knew the first time he looked through them that something was wrong, but he thought it was something only a little odd, something unsettling and curious, perhaps, but nothing dangerous, not anything that would harm anyone. I think deep down he just wanted to know that he wasn't crazy. He wanted to be sure that he wasn't seeing things, and who can blame him? There were three of us that year. Myself and my girlfriend Justine and my sister Joan. We were both used to our grandfather, being bursting with energy, to show us whatever he'd put together, so his oddly subdued mood when he came to the door to greet us came as a bit of a surprise. I was a little disappointed, in fact, as I'd been hoping Justine would get to share in the experience of having a new invention demonstrated before our awestruck eyes. We'd only started dating that year, so it would be the first chance she got to see the kinds of things I'd been telling her about. The day passed pleasantly enough as we chatted, enjoyed lunch, and watched the television together. I think it was Joan who finally asked him if he had anything special to show us today. We knew he'd been working on something, as this was the first time we'd seen him in person in a while. We'd both spoke to him on the phone in the preceding months, and he'd eagerly explained to us that he was working on something he thought would be quite extraordinary. I still couldn't tell you how he made them, nor would I if I could, nor could I tell you what his original idea for those oddly colored circles of glass had been before that fateful day he'd looked through them and seen what he'd seen. He never shared details of his work with us beforehand, as he wanted it to be a surprise, and afterwards... I think he was terrified at the thought of anyone replicating what he'd done. All I know is that when Joan pressed him to reveal his latest invention, he looked nervous in a way I'd never seen him before, looked as if he was deeply troubled by something. He hesitated before speaking, as if not sure he would say anything at all before explaining to us that the nature of what he was working on had changed after an unusual event and that he wasn't sure if it would be a good idea to show us the end result. Now, we may have grown since the days when we could perch on his knees, but whether someone is two years old or in their twenties, the surest way to make them want something all the more is to tell them they can't have it. So his reluctance, which at the time I'm sure we both thought was feigned, to heighten the suspense before the unveiling, just made us both want to see his invention more than ever. With a little persuading, he agreed and left to fetch it. He came back a few minutes later with what appeared to be a pair of glasses, with one big difference. The lenses were like no glass he had ever seen before. I can't even describe the color of it without resorting to words like reddish or greeny as they didn't seem to be exactly any color that we'd have a name for. 
In fact, they didn't seem to be exactly any one color at all. As if you tilted them one way, they would look different to if you tilted them another. I know full well that probably sounds more like magic than something a well-meaning old man could put together in his humble little workshop, but there you have it. Joan asked what they did, and our grandfather paused for a few moments, as if not quite certain how to answer. In the end, he told us that we really had to put them on for ourselves, as he was certain neither of us would believe him if we told us. Joan wanted to put them on first, but as she lifted them off the table, he reached out and grabbed her hand. He cautioned her that it might be startling at first, but that she wasn't in any danger and that if she got frightened, she could just take them off. He warned her that what she was about to see may not make any more sense to her than it did to him, but that we were all there and that she was safe. I could tell Joan was a little frightened. She always was lousy at hiding how she felt from people, and even I was feeling a bit unsettled by her grandfather being so uncharacteristically ominous about the whole thing. Joan slept the glasses on, and we waited. She gasped, and then, for the next few moments, she looked puzzled more than anything. Her lips moved wordlessly, and I thought I caught, No, that's not right, under her breath, as she seemed to look around at something none of us could see. And then she began screaming. I don't know if you've ever heard someone scream in horror in real life, I can promise you this, it's not like in the movies. The movies do not convey the awful sound of someone you love screaming their lungs out, making a noise more like an animal than a human being. They cannot make you feel the things I felt in that moment, watching Joan yank the glasses from her head and hurl them across the room. And nothing could have prepared us for the sight of Joan beginning to claw at her own eyes, screaming louder than anyone should be able to scream as she did it. It took all three of us to restrain her at first. When we had her pinned down so she couldn't hurt herself anymore, Justine and my grandfather held her that way while I called for an ambulance. I had to watch as she was strapped down and wheeled into the back of one, thrashing and hissing and shrieking like some mad animal, like something utterly consumed by fear. I explained what had happened, knowing full well how it made me sound. Justine and I both explained the series of events that led to this, to the skeptical, if not totally disbelieving hospital staff, and then to the specialists called in when nothing short of being tranquilized proved effective at stopping my sister from trying to hurt herself while screaming like that. The glasses had supposedly gone missing, which made proving what had happened difficult, and it wasn't until almost a year later, long after my sister had been committed, that my grandfather finally confessed to me that he'd destroyed them. I don't know if having them could have helped, could have given the doctors some way to make things right. I doubt it somehow, and I can't really truly blame him for doing what he did, given that it was an act born out of guilt and an honest desire to make sure that this didn't happen again. I asked him what my sister had seen that day, and when he told me what he'd done. I asked what those glasses had done to her, 
He hadn't wanted to talk about it, and for the first time in my life, I raised my voice to him, angrily demanding to know, after all this time, just what had driven my sister to this state, what had affected her so deeply, so profoundly, that she was now no longer even recognizable as the person I'd grown up with. He took me to his workshop and began digging around through the bits and pieces that littered the place, the half-finished and now long-discarded inventions still awaiting completion. He produced two pieces of glass, rather like the ones that had been fitted into those glasses. He told me that there wasn't any way to describe it without sounding insane, that if I had to know, then I had to see. But he begged me not to do this that knowing wouldn't make things any better. It was right. I held the glass up to my eyes, and in an instant, everything changed. Instead of just my grandfather stood before me now, there were dozens more in the room with us. But they weren't people. They were pale and emaciated, hunched over and dressed in dark clothing with black lips and wide, lidless eyes that seemed to almost bulge from their skulls in a manner both comical and horrifying all at once. Their mouths were full of hundreds of thin teeth like needles. Their fingers were grotesquely long and ended in dark and viciously pointed nails that scraped along the floor as they walked. And all of them were talking, or rather their lips were moving soundlessly. Each and every one of them was trying to say something that couldn't be heard, dozens upon dozens of voices trying to convey something. I dropped the glasses to the ground in shock, and my grandfather brought his foot down on them hard, grinding them to powder beneath his foot, muttering that he should have done this in the first place. He put an arm on my shoulder, asking if I was all right. I was far from all right, and he'd been correct. What I had seen had made things worse, not better. It took me a while to work it out, of course, why this had such a horrifying effect on my sister, and yet I had survived the experience, frightened but not sporting the mental scars it had given her. The glasses only let me see the creatures. I couldn't hear what they were trying to say to me, couldn't understand the message they were trying to impart. But my sister was deaf. She could read their lips. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'd like to tell you a bit more about Robinhood, the investing app that allows everyone, not just the wealthy or experienced, to buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptocurrencies, all commission-free. That's right. Whereas other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees at all. None at all. You can trade stocks to your heart's content and keep all of your profits. Robinhood also makes getting your feet wet in the world of investing simple with their intuitive, user-friendly app and website with a clear design that presents pertinent data in an easy-to-digest way so you don't miss a thing without the clutter and steep learning curve of intimidating investment software. With Robinhood, easy-to-understand charts and market data are right at your fingertips so you can invest for the first or the 100th time with total confidence. It's so easy to use, in fact, that you can place a trade with just four taps on your smartphone. If this old storyteller can do it, anyone can. With Robinhood, you learn by doing. There are no complex tutorials, no mile-long manuals. You gain experience investing as you build your portfolio. Personalized news feeds allow you to easily discover new stocks, plus track the performance of your favorite companies, while custom notifications alert you in real time to price movements so you never miss out on an opportunity to invest. Not only that, but Robinhood's web-based platform allows you to view collections of stocks, including curated lists of the 100 most popular, or see them categorized by entertainment, social media, and more. In every imaginable way, Robinhood strives to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. So whether it's your first time investing or you're a seasoned professional, Robinhood makes it easy to make decisions so you can get started making trades without second-guessing and without commission fees cutting into your proceeds. And don't forget, Robinhood is giving my listeners a totally free stock to help you get started building your portfolio. To sign up, simply visit them today at scarystories.robinhood.com to let them know that Otis Jiry sent you. Again, that's scarystories.robinhood.com. Now, without further ado, turn those lights down low. Double check beneath your bed. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> oh, we've got another terrifying tale for you.
Our second tale of terror this evening from author Stephen McCool is entitled Old Man White. My neighbor's strange. Everyone calls him Old Man White. He lives next door to me, all alone in his creepy old house. No one visits him, and he rarely leaves. I don't know how old he is, but he must be pushing 80 or more with his stooped-over back and saggy skin that looks like it's just barely hanging onto his bones. He's as thin as a toothpick, probably 80 pounds, wet. When I first moved to this neighborhood, people told me about him, told me all the rumors, that he used to be an important businessman, that he was rich, that he had a beautiful wife who slept around, that he killed her, that he ate her. I never believed them. Just a bunch of silly suburban gossip. He's probably just some crotchety old fart who keeps to himself. Never thought twice about it until that night. I've got bad insomnia. I can't remember the last time I had a good night's sleep. I always end up roaming around the house, watching TV or working on my projects. One night, the insomnia was real bad. I laid there in bed, wide awake, for about an hour before I realized I wasn't getting any sleep. I got up and went to the window to look at the stars, but I ended up looking at something completely different. The window faces out towards Old Man White's place, looking into his backyard in the back corner of the house. There's a window there, almost opposite mine, looking straight into the kitchen. I glanced in and saw Old Man White sitting at his dilapidated table, gnawing on something. I was mesmerized by the sight of his old, gnarled yellow teeth tearing into that meat like a dog. Drool oozed from the corner of his mouth as his lips smacked silently. I'm about to turn away in disgust when I realized something ain't right. What's he eating? And at this hour? I look closer and realize that hunk of meat he's chewing on has got a ring on it, and it looks an awful lot like a hand. That, that can't be what it looks like, can it? I rubbed my eyes briefly, and when I glanced across the street again, nothing. It was gone. Did, did he see me? Had I just imagined it? The next day, after I finally got some sleep, I tried to rationalize what I thought I saw. I was just tired seeing things, mind tricks, uh, you know, when you don't get enough sleep. Makes you see screwed up things like your old neighbor chewing on a hand like it was from KFC. Yeah, that's it. Just a sleep-deprived brain messing with me. Nothing to worry about, except I do worry, because now, every time I look out toward his house, he's there, staring at me, smiling from ear to ear, his nasty teeth bared. He doesn't wave or say anything, he just stares. Every night since, I've looked at his house through my window with the blinds drawn. And every time, he's there, staring, smiling, chewing. It's 
It's been a week since that night. I'm trying to figure out what to do about the old fart when there's a knock at my door. My heart pounds. I don't know anybody well enough for them to visit. No family out this way, just me, myself, and I, and the old man. I go to the door and stare at it, deciding what to do. There's no peephole, so I can't check to see who it is. It doesn't matter, though, because after a couple of seconds, I hear a voice. I know you're there, Sonny. Open the door so we can chat. It's him. I've never heard him speak, but I know it's him. Who else could it be? Despite every instinct in me screaming to run, I open the door. Sure enough, it's the old man. Just as old as ever, still smiling that horrible smile. I ask him what he wants. Just to talk. I know you saw me enjoying my late-night snack a few weeks ago. It's my fault, really. Should have closed the blinds. But I wasn't expecting anyone to be up at that hour or peeking into my home. I watch him, not saying anything. You see, all I want is to be left alone. I ain't hurting nobody except those hobos I've been enjoying. And ain't nobody gonna miss them. So here's the deal. You keep quiet about my, uh, appetites and I'll leave you alone. Deal? He puts his hand out to shake. I don't take it. It's weird. This old man is probably as brittle as moldy cracker. I could probably break him in half with a bear hug. But I don't because I'm too frightened. I can't place it, but there's something about him that isn't human. I look at his eyes, and I know that he could kill me if he wanted to. I take his hand and make the deal. For the next two weeks, I stay in my house, leaving only for groceries and supplies. I alternate between panicking about my situation and watching the old man with a strange, sick curiosity. I watch him bring home the homeless people he eats, wrapped in garbage bags late at night, under the cover of darkness. All the while, he constantly toys with me. I see him staring at me at the most random times, always leering with those crooked teeth. The SOB even waved a couple of times. Even had the gall to come to my front door with my mail and ask me how I was doing, as if he didn't already know. I struggle with what to do. I can't go to the police because they won't believe me. I mean, who would believe a little old man like that, who looks like a strong breeze could break him, could ever do something so horrific? I finally realize there's only one thing to do. I have to put him down. I spend another week watching him, this time to learn his routine. When I think I've got it right, I prepare myself. I have to do this. I have to, or he'll never stop. Night falls and my pulse is already fast. I eye the old fart's place like a hawk watching for the lights to go out. When they do, I wait an extra hour. 
Can't afford to screw this up. Have to be quick. The time comes, and I slink out my back door, a butcher knife in my hand. I don't have a flashlight, can't afford to give myself away. All I've got is the full moon above and my eyes as they adjust to the darkness. I make my way to the fence that separates our yards, and with a little effort I make my way over it. I creep towards the back door and test it. It's unlocked. Either he's forgetful, or he's so secure in his safety, he doesn't care. Either way, it's my benefit. I open it slowly and make my way in. The door leads into the kitchen, and I'm immediately hit with a wave of nausea as the smell of rotting flesh assaults my nose. Glancing around, it seemed normal enough. Then I notice the fridge. I'm suddenly hit with an overwhelming curiosity, and despite myself, I open it and peek inside. It's filled to bursting with plastic bags and Tupperware containers, all filled with the half-eaten remains of people. I can make out loose eyeballs, noses, and even fingers. One container even has part of a scalp, its matted hair pressed against the lid. I quickly but quietly shut the fridge, holding back the bile crawling up my throat. I take a moment to compose myself as best as I can, to remember what I'm here for. If I put him down tonight, no one else will end up in a Tupperware container. I make my way through the house toward the front, where I'm sure the stairs are. It's like any old house you've seen on TV, complete with the cobwebs. I find the stairs and carefully make my way up, taking my time to avoid any noises that might give me away. As I get to the top of the stairs, I take a moment to figure out where I am. During the last week, as I watched the place, the last light was always an upstairs room, which I took to be his bedroom. Orienting myself in my head, I head down the hallway, towards the room I'm sure I need to go to. I reach the door of the room I'm sure is his. It's cracked open just enough for me to look inside and see the bed, the sheets and blankets, lumpy from the monstrous thing beneath it push open the door slowly and make my way in, the moonlight from the window glinting off the steel of my knife. As I reach the bed, I raise the knife above my head. This is it. Without a word, I bring the knife down, plunging it right in the center of the mass in the bed. I raise it above my head and bring it down again. Same, still true. Over and over, I stab the thing ten, twenty maybe even thirty times. I finally stop when my arm simply can't stab anymore. I stand there, panting, full of grim satisfaction. I'm thinking to myself, how am I finally free from this nightmare when I notice something odd? Something's supposed to be there, but it's not. It takes a moment before my brain puts the missing piece into place. Blood. There's no blood. Not a single drop. I throw the blankets and sheets back, sending feathers flying as I reveal a mass of pillows, now with holes and gashes from my knife. My heart stops 
as I realize what this means. Before I can run out of the house, a sharp pain spikes in my heel and I drop to the ground in agony. I look at my foot and see a deep gash right over my Achilles tendon. As blood pools from my foot, I desperately crawl away from the bed in fear and panic. And that's when I see him. He moves into my field of view from the direction of the closet. In his hand is a knife, now bloody from where he cut me. He sets it down on the end of the table, then he looks at me, those foul teeth showing in that hideous grin. Only now they're not yellow and old, now they're white. White, sharp, and pointed. In my shock and horror, my mind numbly compares it to the mouth of an anglerfish. He starts speaking, but his voice has changed. It's not that sickly, sweet old man's voice. Now it's deeper and more guttural. All I wanted was to be left alone. To be left to my own devices. Was that too much to ask for? As he makes his way towards me, he starts to change. He stands up straighter, his limbs elongating. The hands turn to claws as the fingernails grow. His face tightens as it lengthens into some sort of animalistic snout, of which I have no animal to compare it to. His eyes turn a solid, glossy black, and his jaw opens wider, far wider than any human can open their mouth. He speaks again, and his voice is even more monstrous. Such a pity. I thought we could be friends. Now you're just another meal. I wonder how you taste. Perhaps if I seasoned you with garlic. As that maw of sharp teeth looms closer, fear overtakes me. I'm paralyzed as it gets closer and closer, as its hot, rancid breath washes over my face. I remember I still have the knife in my hand. Suddenly, filled with a new batch of adrenaline, I jam it into the thing's eye, as hard as I can, all the way to the handle. The thing rears back, screaming in agony, and I use this time to get away. My foot's in agony, but the fear and looming death is a much greater motivator as I make my way back down the stairs to the front door. My plan is to run out into the street, screaming and yelling my head off to get someone, anyone's attention. But no matter how much I try, the door won't budge. I can't figure it out. It's not locked, but it won't open. As an almost thundering, inhuman laughter booms down the stairs, behind me, I realize there's no time. That thing is coming for me. So I hobble my way to the back door where I came in originally. I can get to the street from the backyard. I make it to the door, but before I can yank it open and get out, a fresh agony rips through me as the creature's claws stab me from behind. Oh, God. I can feel it hook into my ribs. It pulls me away from the door, and I can feel its breath of my neck. Now you've made me even hungrier. No time to prepare you properly. I'm just going to have to devour you now. As its fangs tore into my neck and ripped away hunks of meat, I knew it was over. More and more of my flesh was stripped away, and as darkness finally claimed me, 
I heard the beast speak one more time. Needs pepper. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Robinhood, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, Robinhood is giving my listeners a free stock, such as Apple, Ford, or Sprint, to help build your portfolio. Sign up now at scarystories.robinhood.com. Once more, that's scarystories.robinhood.com. Thank you so much for listening to this, our final episode of our second season. I'm so glad you could join me tonight for this momentous occasion. Don't forget, Season 3 starts right away next week, and you can sign up now for a season pass and get access to all 24 extended episodes anytime. Just visit ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com today and click Become a Patron on the navigation menu, then scroll down to the Season Pass offerings. Every dollar we receive via the Season Passes goes back into this show and to helping us bring you more sinister stories each and every week. Thank you again so very much for your support. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook 
to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs>